Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, we're speaking to an unlikely advocate in the cannabis space, Lizzie Post. If you think her name sounds familiar, she is the great-great-granddaughter of Emily Post. That's right, the Emily Post. While Emily Post passed away in 1960, her work lives on as it has for five generations through the Emily Post Institute. The Institute maintains a 25-book collection, conducts seminars and trainings, and partners with businesses and nonprofit organizations to bring etiquettes and manners to a wider audience. And the Emily Post Institute is 100% a family affair, as there are currently two generations and seven direct descendants and their immediate family involved with running things. Anne and Lewis are chatting with Lizzie about her newly released book called Higher Etiquette, a guide to the world of cannabis from dispensaries to dinner parties. So grab a cup of tea, perhaps a scone, maybe roll up a J and enjoy this conversation between Lewis, Anne and Lizzie. Hi, Anne. Hi, Lewis. Boy, you know, every time that we do this, it feels like we haven't done this in a long time. And you know what? We haven't done this in a long time. I know. I miss, I miss you. Oh, <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a joint. We're not going to say a beer because we do record a cannabis show. Or a gummy. Or a gummy, yes. I just got back from an amazing vacation in Italy and spent a day in Zurich. And do you know what I saw while I was overseas? Um, mountains. I did see mountains. <laughs> I saw a lot of mountains. I saw some, some rivers and some lakes and some streams. And then while I was on a fat tire bicycle tour of Rome with my wife and two boys, my two teenage boys, my younger son, my 13-year-old, says, Daddy, Daddy, look, it's a weed store. <laughs> and I was like... So proud. I was like, yes, I've done a good job in teaching Nathan how to recognize the five fingers of happiness. Although we need to teach him how to say cannabis. He did. Yeah. Well, he knows how to say cannabis. He says that just to mess with me, you know. But um, so we were in Rome and we were all over Italy. And there are wheat stores, but they're not like a traditional U.S. dispensary. They are super low THC, like less than 0.6%. Um, um, but they have pre-rolls and edibles and, and all of the same form factors that you get here. You know, it says all of the, it's funny, all of the same fun, but none of the high. I was like, <laughs> then it's not the same fun. What's the point? Well, no, um, I mean, we're, we're there. We know that there are real medical no, benefits to CBD. Um, but, you know, it, it, it does speak to the fact that people understand that, you know, the psychoactive component of THC is where, you know, the, the joy or pleasure comes in from consuming cannabis. Did you, because um, 
we had gone to, I went to Italy last year and we went, I believe to a dispensary in La Spezia and they, or maybe, you know what? It could have been Florence too. I think we also went to one in Florence and they all said that most of their product was imported from Amsterdam. Do you, did you happen to see where yours was produced? I didn't. Um, and I didn't get a chance to ask because they, they, Bud tenders didn't really speak English all that well, so it didn't. It, it was not as um, <coughs> easy to, you know, to to converse with as opposed to being in Denver or Portland or anywhere else. Um, but it was cool. And then we went to Zurich on our flight back from from Italy. And again, my sixteen year old goes, "Daddy, you know that not only." Um, is the drinking age for me here in Switzerland 16, but I can buy CBD here too. Isn't that amazing? I said, yeah, but you're not living in Switzerland, are we? We're going back home to the United States where you're not allowed to consume either beer or cannabis in any form. And you're not allowed to travel with it. (laughs) I did. I forgot. Um, I did buy a pre-roll in Italy just because I wanted to see what it looked like. And it looks exactly and smells exactly like mm-hmm. a normal joint. Um, and I, when I packed it, Melissa's like, no, that is not going in my bag. That is going in your bag. I'm like, <laughs> that's fine. I don't care. Well, we, I just came back also from vacation. I spent a week in North Car- Western North Carolina. Um, and uh, CBD and hemp is a big thing down there um, from some of the, you know, uh, textiles and products that are used but also um in my dad's little town of black mountain north carolina there's a dedicated um dispensary and you walk in and it um it looks just like a regular dispensary there's he was very very heavy in flour so he didn't have as many other products as i thought he would but um like the jars are there the you know it looked very kind of traditional which was which was interesting because you don't normally when we think of cbd products i don't my mind doesn't automatically go to um the smokable flower type of cbd no but, not at all or vaping. yeah like- or vaping or any of that and that's you know that's two of the, the that's all they had there so um uh, for the most part i mean they had some lotions and tinctures and stuff but um apparently my um stepmother's mother was visiting um and she had gone into the same dispensary and there was a couple people there there was i don't know Does six people there step, so it was like step grandmother <laughs> yeah i guess um and apparently you know she had a lot of questions the bud tender was really attentive and really nice and um you know she's very patient and you know seemed to know his product really well so um i we only kind of popped in and popped out but um it was nice to see that you know they um you know uh, were, were helpful to to a demographic that you know is new to to finding out about this stuff. It's cool, and yeah. and you know, did you when you were talking with your step grandmother? Um, I actually didn't talk directly to her. I talked to my stepmother about it. Oh, uh, okay. But did you talk to her or either or any of them about the etiquette of consuming cannabis? No. Well, then what we- a great segue. Thank you. There it is. I'm, I'm pretty there good at is. this, right? I've been doing this a lot. <laughs> I was wondering how you we were going to do it. <laughs> well, and that's that is the topic of our conversation. Um, we had, I love this episode. Oh my God. I was so I nerded out. Uh, you, you totally nerded out. This was a hundred percent a you lead, <laughs> excuse me, a you led episode. Um, you booked 
um, the guest, um, and you wrote the questions, and you you totally you killed it. I read and, the book. I did my homework. I was ready. I mean, I do my homework every every week, but it, still. But still. But but <laughs> uh, so then, why don't you introduce this? Because this one is all you. So we are talking to the one and only Lizzie Post. Woo-hoo! Lizzie. Lizzie, not Emily, right, Lewis? Not Emily, yes. <laughs> um, who just wrote a really cool book um, on uh, the etiquette of weed um, or the etiquette of cannabis. Um, and so we're super excited to talk to her about it. I we knew there were so many rules. I got nothing. I, it was an awesome conversation. <laughs> Let's get into it. And now for our conversation with Lizzie Post. Lizzie Post, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to talk about your new book. Um, So let's get this out of the way. You are the great, great granddaughter of Emily Post, who is the name in social graces and etiquette. What do you think she would think of your new book? (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I think that I know very little about what Emily would actually think about this book. I think that uh, she was a huge crusader against prohibition in general. So I would like to think that she, um, though she never drank alcohol herself, um, she crusaded heavily. In fact, she she campaigned on people only by voting on the issue of um, uh, of, of getting rid of prohibition in the 1920s. Um, and so she, she really did care about it, even though she was someone who didn't drink herself. So I think that she would be proud of my um, really uh, standing up and, and saying that prohibition of cannabis needs to end. Um, but I know for a fact that she did not like smoking and so I think she would love my love of joints. <laughs> so she would have been an edibles person. That's all you're saying. Probably would have been an edibles. And to be fair, I mean, she grew up in an era. I think she was born in 1873. So she grew up in an era where it would have been common to find cannabis as a tincture for headaches and things like that. And so I would be really, I would be really interested to find out if she actually did. Uh, consume it for those types of reasons or not. Um, my guess is that she didn't. She che- seemed to be pretty, pretty straight-laced, straightforward in that regard. But when it's being, you know, sold to you as a headache remedy, as opposed to, you know, the way it's been sold to us for the past century, I think uh, it's a really different perspective on on what cannabis might look like. So right. I don't, can't say one way or the other. <laughs> it's interesting. It's, so she was almost on the the earlier side before all of the, you know. Uh, you know, reefer madness and all of this crazy, you know, this crazy fear mongering you know, went went on. So this could have very well been, you know, her doctor might've said like, Oh, for your headaches, here's, here's some cannabis or whatever it was even called at that time. Interesting. No, it was actually called cannabis. Yeah. It was (laughs) called cannabis back then. Um, but it, it would be, it would be interesting to find out whether it ever crossed her path. And also just, I would have loved to have heard her perspective on as things like reefer madness took over and as that propaganda started to take over um you know because she lived from about 1873 to i think 1960 or 1959 so that's a pretty big change up in our world i mean go from like horse and buggy to microwave oven it's a pretty big span and i'm really curious to hear what she what she thought of you know this kind of demonizing of it that started happening 
Um, Lizzie, so when people, I just want to take a step back and, and yeah. talk about etiquette in general. So sure. when people think of etiquette, um, you know, I, my, in my brain, it's like, oh, what, what fork to eat with? How do you fold your napkin? Um, but the way you describe etiquette in the book is really interesting. And it's much broader than that. It's more of a, a social contract that we have with each other in a society. Um, and, and specifically, you say that etiquette is about being aware of all the factors contributing to a situation and how the possible outcomes could impact each of the players. Good etiquette looks for the outcome that positively benefits the most people, which I feel like every diplomat should also <laughs> read. How about, or president? Or president, whatever, but can you talk about how etiquette fits into the broader discussion of a new industry like cannabis? Sure, and, and with cannabis, it's really kind of interesting because it's not so much a new industry as it is just a, a culture shift and a change in this industry. I mean, you know, people have been supplying pot to each other for a long time. Um, and how we go about doing it, especially whether that, you know, when you have something like legalization um, start to take hold um, to large demographics, um, it it really is, a, it's a different beast. Um, and so we see all kinds of things shift in behavior when you're um, removing things like scarcity and when you're making things available and allowed, excuse me, to be available to others, um, all of a sudden it's not the, the etiquette changes from being very, very protective about people's privacy because they could literally land up in jail if you're not, um, to being much more about preference and comfort zones. Um, and I think that those are more openly talked about um, as opposed to the, the previous day where, you know, under prohibition, um, some people really wouldn't even feel comfortable broaching the subject, even using code words or, you know, nudges, you know. Um, and so that's a that's a really big difference. But with etiquette in general, we are talking about exactly what you just quoted the book as, which is <laughs> awareness of the people around us and how our behavior is impacting them. And You've got manners, which are the actual specific ways in which a culture um, at any given point in time chooses to interact and chooses to deem polite behavior or appropriate behavior with one another. Um, but those manners, they're um, subject to the culture that they're found in. They're subject to the time that they're found in. Um, and they really are things that we see change, whereas these principles of etiquette, the idea of treating people with consideration, respect, and honesty, that's something that really carries throughout time and will cross pretty much any population boundary or cultural boundary. Um, and it's, it, it creates this really nice play of both some constants for how we should behave and be aware of one another and respect one another, as well as allowing a whole lot of wiggle room for the time and place that we actually find ourselves in. Um, but, but it does all boil down to just being aware of both your surroundings and the, the people who are impacted by your actions within those surroundings. So there's nothing fundamentally different about proper etiquette in mainstream general life and, and while you're participating in consuming cannabis. Is that correct? Or are there unique things about cannabis that, you know, like as opposed to when you open up a bottle of wine, you know, when you're passing a joint, you know, what, what are the different rules or, or are they all basically the same? That's an interesting question. They are, because you're dealing with different, um, different substances, they are a little bit different. 
Um, because he, like, you know, with the social comparison of alcohol and cannabis, I'm really excited for the day when it feels, uh, you know, like it's on equal footing with one another. I would love to have more of my hosts offer me joints when I walk <laughs> in the door. Let me just say, um, I'm, I'm not much of a drinker myself. So I always get really excited when I do go over to someone's house and they, you know, it's on the list of, of options that I'm being offered. But, um, but I think that when it comes to, you know, alcohol, one of the big, so much of this is how we're consuming it, right? Because when we consume a joint, when we smoke a bowl, when we rip a bong, you know, or hit the dab rig, any of these things. Um, the By the way, can I just say, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Inappropriate, Lewis. No, no. I'm just like hearing you, hearing you like tick, you're, you're, you are somebody who is, is, you know, Prim, you know, your you, the 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 oh, Post Institute yes. has this image of prim and proper, and and you wrote a book about the you know the the etiquette around cannabis, and you're talking about you know pulling a bong and ripping a ripping a hit off a dab rig, you know it is a it is a fundamental change in the way people are considering this, and it's normalizing a conversation for millions of people. So that's that's really what I hope, because I think we're also trying at the Emily Post Institute to normalize etiquette for people, because um, you're right. So many people have this perception of etiquette being elitist and only for the super rich and almost like this click that you need to get into. And that couldn't be further from how we at Emily Post try and present etiquette to people, which is something that's really accessible, that's a great equalizer, um, that allows people to feel confident no matter where they've come from in life. Um, and I think that that's the, you know, I, I laugh when people describe me as prim and proper because anyone who knows me in my day-to-day -day life knows that like I'm much more probably resemble the character of Eloise from those books about Eloise at the Plaza than I do what you would imagine. Um, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm much less Stepford wife and much more Vermont homegrown girl. Um, but it's, it's, it is funny how much we give that kind of super polished, super put together, very clean and prim, um, sort of description to what we think of as etiquette or what we think of as people who have good etiquette. Um, and one of the things I love about this book is that it gets us a chance to talk about a subject matter that you're right, people don't necessarily always equate etiquette with, and yet it's a community that is heavily based on consideration and respect and honesty at its core. I mean, I have never engaged with a community or population that is more aware of etiquette than the cannabis community. It's pretty amazing. Like, and I mean, I, I deal with weddings, I deal with all kinds of places where you think you would find a lot of etiquette and instead you find a lot of bad behavior. But in the cannabis community, I find just constant encouragement to share, encouragement to be positive, encouragement to keep things easy and chill, you know? I mean, nowhere at the dinner table do we write things like you can call someone out on a point of order, like um, you're passing the bread basket the wrong way. 
However, when it comes to like a smoke circle, you've got people who will straight up say, dude, you passed the Detroit comes the other way. And the other person just says, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know what I mean? It's like nobody has a problem with this whatsoever. It's a very communal thing, right? Like it's communal etiquette that people are kind of keeping each other honest. Exactly. And there's not a whole lot of ego in it. I mean, yes, there's a ton of ego in someone who's potentially, you know, overproductive of their homegrown or there's ego in in you know my my rig is the best rig or my way is the best way and you hear people talk in those terms but the the level of offense seems to actually really be minimal in the cannabis community and people i've noticed are a lot more willing to to say oh my bad or oh excuse me whereas i find in the world of business and you know often in the world of family dynamics and things like that people are much less willing to be forgiving or to admit that they have made a faux pas and so right off the bat the cannabis community for me gets like five stars on, on etiquette and behavior <laughs> i love that and i mean it's hard to get like real jammed up or angry when you're you know stoned consuming yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and uh, I we'll think that even saying stoned is like limiting a category to a type of high you right know? But right it, right it's really true <laughs> people tell um, easy going so two quick things one the name of the book we'll say it in the the intro but we haven't said it yet so i just want to make sure we're we're all talking about the same thing so the book is called higher etiquette a guide to the world of cannabis from disp dispensaries to dinner parties the other thing i want to say is lizzie i have been trying to train lewis not to interrupt people so um <laughs> we're still not there yet we'll get there but um, i'm an interrupting fish you are an interrupting fish <laughs> So <laughs> just putting that out there. Um, but I do want to talk, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned something earlier about the normalization of it. We are marketers at heart. We're PR people or IR people and words really matter. It's part of our job to educate the marketplace on behalf of our clients. But, you know, it's also, you know, part of our job is to normalize um, cannabis in everyday life. And having this book written by you on this topic at this point in time um, does an amazing job to normalize something that millions of people have done or experience on a daily basis and and may not know how to how to discuss it with their family members or their colleagues or you know I guess my so my question out of this is what compelled you to write this book right now oh that's it's one of my favorite questions because it's very one of those like universal moments where things just all come together and you have that quiet moment where you're like a dream just came true, <laughs> you know, like it was one of those. Um, and so basically I, being a cannabis consumer for years, I, I started when I was in high school, um, smoked throughout college. Um, and then my twenties took a slight break in my late twenties and then came back to it in my thirties. Um, it, it was always a joke was, you know, like, Oh, when are you going to write, you know, the etiquette of weed or like, <laughs> something like that, you know, you're like challenge. I probably just, imitated myself when I'm stoned. Um, but it's, uh, it, it definitely, a lot of people have this idea or joke about it, or they, they'd talk, you'd hear people talk about courtesies that they'd heard of or experienced. Um, you know, most notably when folks would come back from like Amsterdam or something, they'd be like, wow, people just like chill with the joint. They don't like fight over who's gotten it how many times and if you threw down is it going to make it all the way around the session you know and it was so it was always little little bits and pieces and then when my cousin and I both started working at the institute we would um you know we'd sit around and talk up what the institute might look like 20 years down the road and 
And he said he was the one who was more on the sort of um, the finger of the pulse of legalization, what was happening with it. I was more, you know, just sitting on the couch smoking what I could get my hands on. <laughs> so he um, he said, oh, yeah, he goes, one day we are going to be able to write that book, like for sure. And I was kind of like going, what? Really? Oh, wow. That's so cool. This and is your then, cousin Daniel? My cousin Daniel. And then, you know, I would say a good maybe six or seven years later, um, I was actually manning the institute on my own. Uh, Dan Dan was off dealing with something, and uh, just through a series of being connected to folks, an email came in to myself and another author that I know that said, "Hey, do either of you know any particularly conscientious pot smokers? I've got a publisher that wants to write a book on weed etiquette." And I was like, <laughs> I was seriously dumbfounded at my desk. I was like, did this really just happen? Like, Daniel's never going to leave me alone at the Institute again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I raised my hand to nobody. And like, <laughs> sitting there in front of the big, big computer screen going, oh my gosh. And I wrote back and said, I would love to write this book. Um, and the, the agent who had written it to me was like, wait, 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 wait. But like, not under Emily Post, right? And I was like, no, under Emily Post. And she said, holy moly let's let's go let me talk to the publisher about it and she said holy shit yeah she probably did i'm now now that you said you want to catch me swearing i'm like determined not to <laughs> because of my own challenging like like brain not because um i don't swear on a regular basis but i do um but yeah no so she she definitely was surprised and excited. And then, um, it was just a matter of finding out if the publisher was willing to wait until I had a break in my schedule to write the proposal. And luckily they were, and we got the proposal off and then, um, the book was accepted. And I believe we signed the contract in like late December, like the 27th of December or something like that of 2017. And then on the 6th of January, I was off on a flight to Colorado to start research. Um, I had four months to research and write the entire book. Um, oh, so I was, I was definitely under the gun to learn about legalized cannabis. Cause at that point I still lived in a state where it was illegal. Um, and so that in and of itself was an interesting part of the journey because to me, it was still people talking about cannabis in terms of a just not even using the word cannabis at all, um, but just calling it good or bad or, oh, it's like social or it's like sleepy weed or it's indica and sativa. And that was kind of it. And, you know, I was like the lone smoker of my group of friends. Not many of the rest of them consumed it like greater circles of friends. Definitely everyone consumed on occasion. But not kind of the way that I did. And so it was really wonderful to go out into the world of legalized weed and just be like, hi, I'm here and I want to know everything that you've been up to for the past like five years. <laughs> um, it was really fun. Oh, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> uh, like, like, like so many questions. Like you just opened up this whole Pandora's box in my head. Um, Let's do it. All right. So the, the first one is just really tactical, right? right? Okay. You've talked a lot about passing a joint, but, yes. but you know, all of the trend lines on consumption are not towards flower consumption, right? It's edibles and tinctures and vaping. So just thinking about vaping, you know, what is the etiquette 
of a vape pen versus a joint because a joint is a, a fundamentally social experience, right? There's a ritual in rolling it if you're not buying a pre-roll. And it is. It's something you like you pass around. Yeah. But what about a vape pen? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about this only because as a very frequent joint smoker, I'm often like, so personals? Who wants personals? <laughs> um, but it's so that eliminates the passing as an entire issue. But when it comes to that vape pen, I actually think that this is one of those things where I really noticed a difference between states where it's legal and states where it's not. I noticed in states where um, uh, cannabis isn't recreationally legal or adult use legal that more often than not, pens are really frequently shared because not everybody has one. Whereas I noticed in states where it's been legal for a while, a lot of people just simply have their pen and they don't actually share it as often as as in states where it's um, where it's still prohibited. Um, and that was kind of like an interesting observation. Like a lot of folks in Portland were telling me, you know, I really don't pass my personal pen that's like my use throughout the day to keep me going. That's exactly what I want around because... If someone draws too long on it, they can burn the oil in it. If they set the heat too high by accident, it messes it up. It's It was really interesting that it, it felt like more of a personal thing um, that you wouldn't necessarily share, whereas the the joint is kind of always shared no matter what. Um, but the, the vape pen, it really depends. And it's okay for you to turn down sharing it if someone asks for your vape pen. Um, Etiquette wise, I think it's better to let whoever has a vape pen offer it to you rather than you asking them for it. Um, but that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're but you are the actually the, the, the authority. Well, you know, I, I collect other people's opinions and kind of try to uphold all the perspectives. Because um, from an etiquette perspective, you're trying to navigate what you might encounter. And you just we all have different opinions. We all have different preferences. Um, so it's why it's important to kind of look at that person who has a vape pen that you might want to hit. And you might you might start by saying, hey, I don't know if you if you feel comfortable sharing your vape pen. But if you do, I, you know, let me know. I'd love a hit. Um, but I think, and that sounds so formal when you say it like that, <laughs> like normally it's like if I'm on the golf course and I know that someone's pretty willing to share, I'll be like, Hey, can I get a hit off that? You know? Um, but it's not, it's, it's funny how much when you're not as sure we kind of do default to more of those formalized ways of speaking, or at least letting someone understand when we're asking a question of them that we might be asking something fairly personal. Um, you want to give them the ability to decline and feel comfortable declining, you know, are there regional differences? I mean, is there a difference between the etiquette for smoking in New York or Vermont versus California or Oregon or Texas? I mean, where, where does regionality play into this? I feel like it does play into it, but not, um, it's not as defined right now because it, you're right. It is more state by state. Um, and when I think regions, I think Northeast, Southeast, Southwest, you know, Midwest, uh, Pacific, uh, Pacific Northwest. Like I think of our, our country in those kinds of terms, but you're right that by state things do vary. I, and this is just by personal experience. I noticed in Colorado, more people were willing to uh, like roast a bowl in their home or pass a joint in their home. Whereas in Oregon, I, there was not a single home that, that wanted that. Everything was, if you were going to be burning weed, combusting it, that you go outside. Um, but that again is just 
personal experience of where I was staying and who I was staying with and who I was meeting and visiting and that sort of thing. Um, I would love to see some more statistical information on this kind of stuff. Like I would, I would love to run some polls and do some studies and things. I mean, is there more of that in the future for the Institute or I, for you? I so hope so. If we can, if this book can sell so that it clears its advance and we start making money, I would love to be putting money back into more research and things like that. So um, buy the book, everybody. Yeah, buy we'll have a link in the bot in the show notes. <laughs> buy the book is always the, book. the number one thing to get out there if we want to do more. Um, we gotta fill fill the fill the um, fill the funds to do so. But it's, um, I, I would be excited to see more of that coming out because I do think that hearing they're just, like I said before, there are so many opinions out there and so many different perceptions about what equates to good behavior that there really is no one way to say, this is how you do it. I mean, pretty much the only thing people did agree on was that you don't burn the entire bowl. And like <laughs> that people were like sitting there going, yeah, but even if your buddy did, you could always just pack a fresh bowl anyway. Like it was so, so friendly. Yeah. I loved it. Well, and, and I mean, and I think that comes out in the book is that there is no, you know, necessarily hardcore right or wrong answer, but you give really good, you know, tips about, you know, approaching topics and, and, you know, to your point about, you know, waiting until someone offers you the vape pen. But so, uh, but in reading the book, it, it is on etiquette, but also, um, and I'm a nerd because I post all the books I read on my Instagram <laughs> So yeah, um, and but I also, I said that this is not just an etiquette book. It's a really great primer for people who are kind of curious. I mean, you go into detail on botany, on how the human body absorbs the plant, the different products, the strains, the consumption. I, I literally have a better idea of dabbing because of this book, because yeah. every time I go into a dispensary, I look at that corner where they have, you know, all the resins and I'm just like, oh, oh that's a little scary to me, but you made it like more approachable. So can you talk? about what the, and I'm in the industry I've been doing this cannabis day in day out for three years so what has the feedback been for you both in the cannabis community and then like in the the old school Emily Post fan club like is there a collective clutching of pearls or are they like oh my. I <laughs> would like a strain that helps me with xyz yeah, no, it's interesting. It runs the gamut. I definitely, there was a little bit of pearl clutching that went on. Um, uh, had one one of our trainers left um, because she didn't want to be associated with a company that was associated with cannabis. And that's totally her choice. And that's where she's at with how, how comfortable she feels around cannabis right now. I was sad to see her go because she was really, um, she was just someone I had bonded with really closely and, and really appreciated over the years. Um, so that was, that was a hard hit for me. Um, but for the most part, um, the reception has been, uh, mostly positive or in a, in a zone of just like, oh man, totally like we get a kid, you know what I mean? Um, but it's also, I think a lot of people who have read it, read the, the primer section that you're talking about or the primer section that you're talking about, um, have really appreciated it because of exactly what you're talking about. There are, there's a science to and a history to this plant that we're only just getting to really expose 
Um, and, and people are getting curious and diving deeper into it, whether that's because they've come in through the CBD side and they now want to understand why CBD is different from THC and that gets them into the science. Um, to the idea that they weren't able to combust, they weren't able to inhale um, carcinogens, and then therefore they were excited that vape came on the scene or excited that edible options are available now or that salves or patches are available, transdermals are available. Um, and so it, it is kind of fun having people come at cannabis now from lots of different angles as opposed to just the smoking a bowl or bong or joint. Um, I really fought to keep this section in the book. Um, a lot of folks thought, why is there a science section in an etiquette book? And for exactly the reason that you're experiencing, this is a really wide topic and there's a lot of conflicting information. Um, and there's a lot that helps you to understand the experience you might have if you even just know a little bit. And so the goal was to kind of touch on these ideas of, you know, not these ideas of, but touch on the endocannabinoid system. So how is cannabis interacting with your body once you consume it? How the different ways you consume it might impact the effects that it has on you? And then when it comes to strains and cultivars, what are we talking about here? And why are they named the things that they're named? And how do you figure out what is going to have an effect on you that's going to, you know, resonate or not with you? Um, and so I, I found that a lot to be a lot of just how to information that blew my mind when I learned about it. Cause again, I was just coming from good, bad, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really, really cool to be able to learn about cannabinoids and terpenes and how together they are impacting your system and how to seek out that information when you're at a dispensary. Um, and for, I mean, for me, it just, it, it really broadened the way that you could choose to participate. So yeah, <laughs> that's why that section got so big. Can we, can we talk about family for a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a dad. I've got two teenage boys um, who are, completely aware of what I do for work as a PR guy, but that we do a lot of work in the cannabis industry. They know that I consume, um, but they have friends who come over um, and I'm really out like with the same way, the way you discuss describe how you consume. I'm, I'm that same guy. How do you talk to as a parent, other parents about, cannabis and consumption at home how do you deal with it versus alcohol you know can you kind of lay out the view for for other parents out there yeah this is a place where i think alcohol takes us only so far on the social comparison list because alcohol we don't often ask people so how do you how do you steal you know how do you store your liquor i want to make right. sure so that the, that's the exactly what i thought of yep get into the cabinet like nobody actually says that um, and I, I, maybe it's something people need to say more often to one another, um, if we want to try to curb underage drinking, um, or maybe it's something that we need to find a different conversation around it to have, but it's, nobody asks that question right now, um, about alcohol. And yet they, they also don't ask that question about prescription drugs. And they, they do, however, ask this question when it comes to gun safety, um, but we have these other subject matters in our lives that parallel cannabis in terms of the fact that they are for adults. They are things that um, 
they can be serious if kids get into them of, of all different ages. Um, and that parents are often going to be held responsible for if kids get into them. And so I think it's still worth, in terms of importance, a question if you have a concern about it. Um, I think it's worth a lot of self-consideration. How am I keeping my edibles, my tinctures, my salves? Um, how am I educating my children about it? Um, but when it comes to that question of other parents and talking with other parents, I, I think it's best to be on the, the, the front end of the conversation and letting people know, as long as you feel comfortable doing so, that you consume cannabis and you're happy to share with them how you keep that out of the kids' lives. Or literally share with them. Or share with them if they're of age. No, no, no. I mean with the other parents. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. I was like, yeah, or with your kids if they're 21. Um, <laughs> but now I've got you. Um, it's. I think it's nice to open up the conversation by saying this is something I do. Um, I'm happy to talk with you about it if you'd like to. Um, I think that if you're the parent that has the concern and you know another parent smokes pot, like they've openly talked about it, but you haven't talked about doing a play date over at that parent's house, for instance, what you want to do is broach this conversation in a way that helps the other person to understand that you're seeking information only to help make a decision for yourself and what you feel comfortable with, that your goal isn't to judge another parent. Um, because I think one of the things people forget is that we can know that a parent smokes pot, um, but we're, it's, we're so much more willing to judge their safety when it comes to pot as opposed to the alcohol or as opposed to the prescription drugs or sometimes the guns. The guns people do get pretty pretty cautious about, um, which is a good thing. Um, but it's interesting to me how in the, how people are, are willing to get so nervous about pot. Um, and so the way that you ask this question is I frame it from the fact that you have concerns and boundaries. So you can say something like I have a, a boundary about cannabis or I have a boundary about pot and I just, wanted to ask you if I could ask you about whether or not it's a part of your home life. And if so, you know, how you keep it away from the kids, just for my own sense of comfort. Um, if someone isn't able to answer those questions or they say, you know, sorry, or they say, you know, I appreciate that you have a boundary, but it's not something I'm willing to talk with you about. Then you can say, I totally understand would love to invite the kids to play at my house or let's take them to a park or go see movie or go do things outside of the home. Um, etiquette doesn't necessarily say that we all have to be in the same place comfort wise all the time, but it does, it does suggest to us that we need to try to be respectful about those differences in comfort level. And that goes in both directions. Um, I, I Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean to try. I, what I was going to say is I really appreciated that part of the book because you do it in a way that you don't approach it from a defensive position. And I think because we do what we do on a daily basis, you know, we're always, you know, trying to educate people and trying to, you know, give them, you know, the, the positive attributes and to dispel some myths. But like, you know, if you're not comfortable, you're not comfortable. And that's your personal choice. And that's what this is all about. So I did appreciate you, you know, I don't know. I, I would have come back way more defensive, but like, you know, in thinking about how you would handle it, that's probably how I would handle it in the future. I would hope. Oh, um. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, you know, I'm glad it could be useful because it's a really, 
It's a really tough question. And when this becomes your, when this is your medicine, it's nobody else's business. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is really different. It's one of the biggest differences between cannabis and alcohol is that very few people from what I know are on alcohol for a medication. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've, and I'm sure there's somebody, but, um, but it's, it's really a huge difference when this is your, you know, your seizure medication. Um, when this is your migraine medication, when this is the thing that allows you to function, um, and, and, and so it is, it is a little bit of a delicate issue, just the same way we don't often say like, Hey, do you take Ambien before bed, which tons of parents do. And we all know from the entertainment industry, putting it in so many movies and, and, uh, TV shows nowadays, you know, whether it's Ambien eating or driving or just simply all these things that seem to happen when people are on sleep aids. Um, Watch Big Little Lies. Didn't yeah, you? I totally. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and I also I had a roommate who had that experience too, and boy, that was scary. Um, but it's so it's a real it's a really interesting subject because it's it's not just all neat and tidy fitting in one box of this is for adults only and this is the only way it's used, um, which I think alcohol does kind of have more of that that social. Um, uh, situation around it. Uh, you talk about this in the book as well, but do you, for our listeners, do you take the same approach with work? I mean, we, you know, people know what Lewis and I do on a day in and day out basis. So it's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, you've written a book about this, so your cannabis usage is not a surprise. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for, yeah, for those others, you know, who are, you know, you may, using cannabis for whatever reason they choose to use it, um, you know, and talking about it in the work environment, do you have any tips for that? I think that that's, it's such a personal choice. Um, whether or not you open that up just the same way drinking is too, you know, it's, you might try to keep photos off of, you know, your profiles online. Um, you may make sure that, you know, you aren't in any photos that are going out of, of places where consumption's happening. It's really something that's up to you. I look forward to the day when it has less of a stigma and less kind of newness in the legalized world. And you could just as easily be prepared to ask or be asked whether you're going to go smoke a joint after work with someone, um, as you know, go to the local watering hole and grab a drink before heading home. The answer is yes, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, but I'm really excited for that where it, you know, I, I try to, um, bring that to my own life in terms of how I talk about cannabis, I'm really open about it. I'm really forward about it. Um, I, I don't try to sneak around with it um, because I want it to start losing that stigma. So, you know, when, when I get matched up with people on the golf course and I've brought a joint with me or my vape pen with me, I'll let someone know, just wanted to let you know, I tend to smoke while I, you know, while I play, you know, I don't, I don't much enjoy drinking, but you know, this is my thing when I'm out here relaxing and playing golf. Um, you know, if you don't like it, I, I promise I won't blow any smoke on you or I promise to keep it to, you know, just when we're not in the cart together. Um, but it's that kind of stuff, I think, helps move it along in that direction where just more people are exposed to even the idea of, oh, yeah, you know, joints are joints are in the in the jar, cooler, you know, beers in the cooler. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> so do you on, on the golf course? Yeah. Um, you know, there, it tends to be a very, you know, a, a, an upper class and older sport. 
do you get people who give you that like you know you'll be playing with a couple of guys and and uh um you know they've had two or three beers at the turn and you spark up a joint do they give you the stink eye no all right so i gotta tell it's my favorite pot joint joke it's the worst joke in the entire world <laughs> Sorry. What's, what, yeah. Well, look. You know, we we describe this cannabis, this podcast, as the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, culture, with really bad dad jokes, um, and and that's that's my job. So my bad dad joke is, what's the shortest word in the English language? Ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might need to edit. No, it's totally that's that's totally gonna stay in. All right, we're, we I, we we're almost we've taken a lot of your time. We've got two yeah. more two yeah. more yeah. questions. Oh, all right, well, cool. So, look, I I for me, my my consumption modes tend to be a joint, um, or edibles, uh, you know, and and I'm pretty good about rolling and passing and like you know trying to be aware what is the absolute most egregious thing like the like if somebody did this not only are they never going to get invited to get high again like they're getting kicked out what's the worst thing you can do oh man no like nothing's nothing i feel like is ever so bad that you get kicked out um but when it comes to passing joints i have a real problem when people hold the joint really hard and they squish it down and then you're like rendering it not smokable. You know what I mean? Especially if there's not like a filter tip or a crutch in it. Like that to me drives me nuts. Um, another big one when it comes to joints, not quite so much blunts because they're a little sturdier, um, but definitely also still gross with bowls is is when someone really slobbers on, on the mouthpiece or the end. That is one that like, cause a lot of people are just like, what do I do? Do I wipe it off? Do I burn it off? If it's cold as opposed to glass, I can't really burn it. Like what the heck? Wipe it off. Wipe it off. It's gross. And like, how do you like wipe off a blunt end? Like that's to me, that's like really tough to do. It's not no, no, no. You keep it. I'll get, I'll light another one. It's good. Exactly. That's, that's the, that's the, oh, that one's yours now. I'll just light up another one. Um, but that's one that seems to give a lot of people just a lot of pause. Cause they're like, A, this is gross. B, the other person might be really embarrassed if I call them out on this. Like what? Oh, it's just such a stopper of a moment where you're like, oh, what do I do? Okay. <laughs> Hit it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just this is fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yay! Glasses next. I'm getting the willies now. Curious, what do you think? What's the biggest showstopper? The biggest thing that's like, I'm not smoking with that dude again. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. You go ahead. Smoke it. Smoke in the house. I. Okay. You know, I. You know, we have. You know, a, we're a very pot friendly, uh, cannabis friendly apartment, but um, we have a balcony. And the reason we have a balcony, not the reason, but I mean, that's <laughs> where it, that's where the magic happens. So um, I don't want it in my house. I, it's, and that's a personal preference. Yeah. And it always irks me when people are like, you know, and, and no one does it a lot, but I just, or even if I walk into a home where it's all inside. Gotcha. It, you want some airflow. You want yeah, some I need a little airflow. Full air. Gotcha. What about I, you? I, I was at a business, business dinner in California a year and a half or so ago, and I had a vape pen, 
and there was another colleague there, not somebody who works with us, who said, hey, man, do you mind if I take a hit on that? And I was like, no, no problem. And it was a little uncomfortable. But then he walked away with it, took what? it to another table with his friends. No! At another table. Yeah, and passed my vape pen around. And I, I was, I was, I, I was so stunned that... Uh. Yeah, I, like, like, and I was with my business partners, and they were just as stunned as I was. And that this is somebody, is yeah, and and this is somebody who had wanted to get a job here. Oh, and he, oh, and, and we had, a, and, and I was, I was like, like, "Are, are you, you kidding me?" me? So, so that, that, that that was pretty, pretty bad. bad. That, that was that, that was wins. to me. That is egregious behavior. If you like, that's kicking him out, right? That's the kick him out behavior. <laughs> If someone took your joint out of the group that was smoking it and handed it to a whole other group of people, I would be like, um, squeeze me. Can you please, like, uh, are you, you know, you going to roll us a fresh one or something? Like, what's going on? It wasn't a joint. It was my vape pen. And it's like. Where? But in both, in both, like, in both types of smoking scenarios, that would just not be cool. Not cool Any at all. Like, yeah. Especially if you want a job. Yeah. You should be offering to roll this guy a joint. Exactly. Like, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Did, yeah. so, did he get hired? Fuck no. <laughs> and oh, to be sure, I just like Lewis. That's a super rude question. <laughs> did this guy get a job? No effing way. Is this guy ever working at KCSA? I was like, I, I, I literally was flat. Like, it takes a lot to, to, to knock me back and like, whoa, I could not, you know, I was stunned, like legitimately like, wow, the balls on this guy. <laughs> so great. Um, no, I think you call it, that's probably one of the most egregious things I've, I've heard of like that. And when people just literally stub, stub a joint out, like on a coffee table or something like that, or ash on the floor. Oh, ashing on the floor is bad. But I think that taking someone's pen or joint or bowl to literally another group of people is that's really egregious. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, cannabis is, is a part of your job now, um, but you are the co-president of the Emily Post Institute. Can you tell us what your day job is like and how does this fit into that? Oh, it folds right in. Um, you know, we recorded the Awesome Etiquette podcast this morning, and then I had a, a meeting with my cousin and business partner, you know, that was just about normal, like, oh, the you know, my laptop's battery crashed. Do we have enough in the budget to do a new, you know, a new computer or are we trying to repair this one? You know, it's like you go into the normal day-to-day -day runnings of a business and then you do an interview that's uh, for some kind of cannabis outlet and, um, or you're setting up a, a book event or something like that. Um, but my day-to-day -day is often prepping the podcast scripts and working with the advertisers that, um, that, that sponsor our show um, and trying to grow that show and keep it going. Mm -hmm. um, I manage all of our publishing efforts. So right now we are in the middle of trying to pull together the 20th edition um, of Emily Post's Etiquette, the big book of etiquette. Um, we're trying to pull that together into a proposal um, so that the 20th edition can come out in 2022, which is the 100th anniversary of the brand. Wow. So 
That's and that's going to be a whole overhaul of that book. We are looking to really change the way that reference book looks and feels to people while still providing the advice that people have really leaned on for so many years. Um, but that's like a huge undertaking. Um, and so there's a that's kind of one of those bigger projects that sits that you you chip away at on a consistent basis. And then the rest of it is things like right now I'm preparing for us to go down and be part of the national stationary show and the New York um, now show uh, gift show um, in New York City. <laughs> excuse, excuse me, in New York City, um, and that's going to be just like you know four or five days of being on the floor, meeting and greeting with people talking with them about Emily Post and our advice and our books and ways that we might be able to partner or work with them. Um, so that's that's another thing I do. I do spokesperson work as well. Um, and I also manage all of our incoming media requests and everything. Would you would you represent a cannabis brand? Oh my gosh, yeah. If there was a cannabis ca cannabis, if there was a cannabis brand that wanted to partner with us, I absolutely would. I would love to do that. Oh my God, we have to talk when this is over. <laughs> um, I'll get you my day rate. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I would I would love to start folding that more into into the the view of things. Um, but there and there's other interesting projects that are on the the sort of in the background that are those projects that take like years to happen. You know what I mean? And so you're always kind of chipping away quietly at those. But the day to day is very much so a lot of a lot of interacting with media and a lot of um, moving projects and events forward. So, Emily, this is our last question, and that one was for Shay. Um, we we we're uh, not allowed to start questions with so, and we've done it a couple times, and he's okay. yelling at us over Slack. Do you, want, <laughs> do you want me to give you the the correction of of Lizzie, not Emily, because it happens all the time? Did I do that? Did, did I call you oh Emily? God. You're the I'm person. such so an ass. I, don't, I often don't correct people anymore because oh, I think me. it sounds asinine whenever I do. No, it's your name. It's it's like, I, I'm so sorry. Don't like, worry. No, really don't. Like, it's, it's, I get called Emily every day. Yeah, but I'm going to stick my head under my desk now. Like, I am so completely embarrassed. You just need another hit. That's all. I, I'm sober. I'm completely, I'm at work. I'm sober. I don't consume at work. You just need another hit. Exactly. <laughs> God. Um, okay. So we ask this question of all of our guests, our guests, right? It's called while you were sleeping. And the thesis is this, the media has covered cannabis so weirdly, oddly, and getting better over the last couple of years. What's the story that they're not telling? Like when you wake up in the morning, if you were going to read the wall street journal or the New York times or turn on, you know, NBC nightly news, what's the story that they should be covering about cannabis that they aren't? That's a great question. I do, I do think that they are starting to cover the social justice side of things a lot more. And I've, I've seen that coming up more in my newsfeed. So, um, th so that's not the one that I would say, um, because that actually does happen, but there is, there's the story of the everyman that doesn't seem to really make it to this light that often. And that's the story of just how, how varied and I want to call it simple. A lot of our relationships with cannabis are, or is, it's amazing to me how a lot of people just casually consume or it's what they do, you know, at home instead of their glass of wine. And I'd like to hear those kind of more average stories come out more often. I think we've got, 
some really great coverage and a lot of people are changing their impressions and their understandings of cannabis through the medical stories that are coming out about, you know, how, how it's helping kids with epilepsy, how it's, you know, um, easing, um, uh, cancer patients pain and things like that. Um, how it's helping folks with all kinds of different conditions. Um, and so I like the fact that all the medical is getting highlighted. I like the fact that we do have subjects like equality and diversity um, coming up, and especially when it comes towards passing legislation. But I also want to keep keep space for just the average consumer, because I think that is also where a lot of normalizing happens. Um, that's where you're highlighting, you know, that mom from the playgroup who does, you know, smoke a joint while she offers you a glass of wine because she knows you don't smoke and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to hear more stories like that because I think that that would really help with the normalizing. I'd also like to hear more science stories, more stories on the actual science of cannabis. Um, you know, it's like everyone calls CBD the non-psychoactive one. It actually is psychoactive, it's just not psychotropic. And that's a big difference. And so I, I'm more interested in seeing um, some more of the things that I learned throughout researching my book um, come out in the media more. And that's the every everyday average consumer, as well as what the science really is about. That's a great answer. That was Thank a great you. answer, Lizzie. Yeah. Thank you. We've been talking with Lizzie Post. It's been an awesome interview. The book is called Higher Etiquette, A Guide to the World of Cannabis from Dispensaries to Dinner Parties. We will have a link to purchase in the show notes. Please buy this book. It's a wonderful gift, but it's also um, just a really good thing to have on your bookshelf. If you are at all interested in cannabis and understanding what the world is like, um, it's just, it's awesome. So Lizzie, thank you so much for your time today. Our thanks to Lizzie Post, the co-president of the Emily Post Institute and author of Higher Etiquette, a guide to the world of cannabis from dispensaries to dinner parties. Buy it wherever books are sold and check out emilypost.com for more of Lizzie's work. You can also follow her on Twitter at Lizzie A. Post and check out the podcast she does with Daniel Post Senning called Awesome Etiquette. As always, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter with the handle at V underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast, or over good old-fashioned email at greenrush at kcsa.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite pod catcher. That's one take, Shay. One take. Cannabis! Cannabis!